Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Ferga and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they, came, when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him to, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is a reading of God's word. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sis. Hey, let's uh, pray together and then we'll, we'll be seated, okay? Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you uh, excited because you are everything, humbled uh, because of your mercy and grace. And we ask um, that you would guide our time. Speak to us through your word, Lord. We pray uh, you would give us soft hearts. And uh, yeah, just a joy and excitement to learn about your world and our place in your world and who we are in Christ. Um, Lord, we pray that you would guide me, Jesus, by your grace. Lord, I confess um, that in the flesh, I'll, this will be about pride and arrogance and and uh, showmanship. And so we pray that it wouldn't be about those things, but it would be about God's glory, uh, Christ risen from the dead, um, Jesus saving broken dead people. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide me and use me, Jesus, by your grace. Uh, that it wouldn't be just empty words um, said by man, but uh, words that are anointed by God. And we also pray uh, that you would allow our church, uh, the covenant community here in this room, uh, to receive their responsibility to not just be hearers of the word and deceive themselves, but to be doers of the word. And so I pray that people wouldn't just hear and indict themselves by hearing from the true God and then <laughs> disobeying. But I pray that, Lord, you would give these guys the grace and faith and give me the grace and faith to believe and to walk in light of your truth. Would you do that, Jesus? In Christ's name, amen. Be seated, fam. Good morning. This is a fun time also to be able to continue to worship Jesus, make much of Christ. If you need Bibles, Pastor Leon is passing out Bibles. Go ahead and raise your hand up. We are... Continually trying to make a strong encouragement for you guys to uh, bring your Bibles. And if you need a Bible, let us know. We can come hook you up. Although the information will be on the screen as well. We want you to be thumbing through the scriptures, staring at the text. Uh, we do exegesis, so we do exposit the scriptures. So we walk through the Bible, the text, and it's up here. And that's cool. Um, we don't want you to get lazy. We want you, um, we definitely don't want this to be the only time that you're diving in the word 
on a weekly basis. And so um, our heart is that you're thumbing through your own scriptures or you got a Bible or we give you a Bible and you're thumbing through that and you're learning here, praise the Lord, and that you're learning also in your small group, that you're learning in your one-on-one times. But in your own personal times, you're thumbing through the Word and you're, you're walking with the Lord and you're learning, you're hearing from the Holy Spirit, and God is continually allowing us to walk with Christ. So, um, so, all, so this is just us, actually. Uh, we call this a celebration because what we're doing right now is we are um, celebrating what God has done all week as he's shown the evidence of his grace, okay? We don't see uh, this as like the only pinnacle time, but we see that God is moving and having his being and doing his work all week. So we come together and we just get to brag about Jesus together and then learn a little bit, okay? So if you need Bibles, um, like at home, rate, let, let us know. We'd love to hook you up with one. It's very important for us. Uh, we are going through the book of Acts. We are in um, Acts chapter 16. And um, we're, 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 we're flowing, man. And you guys have been great. And I'm hopeful that you are encouraged and learning a lot about Jesus and about his people. Um, uh, we are on a moving train here. So if you are new, we're asking you to go and go online and listen to uh, all the other chapters and get, get yourself caught up a little bit. Um, but also we hope that this, uh, this time of training in itself uh, would, would encourage your faith. Okay, guys? Um, the text will be up here. I want to just give you a couple ground rules. Um, just want to let you know uh, that you can, if you've got a question, that's something that can really encourage the body. If, I'm, if I say something up here that just doesn't make sense and you want to uh, be in dialogue at some level and we can help the body, please raise your hand. Uh, we we want to be smart here for sure. We don't want to just be arrogant. and let, We want that smartness to lead toward worship. And usually if there's, a, if there's um, an issue with somebody, I'm sure that there are other people who are having the same issue. So you really just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're growing together. All right, so feel free to um, ask questions. If there's something specific uh, we ask you to just come see me or one of your elders, and we can hopefully uh, answer that question in our own personal time. So please feel free to do that, okay, guys? All right. Um, as we jump in, just to give you a brief snapshot. Every once in a while, I'll throw up on here uh, a timeline. I'm not going to do it today, but just in a nutshell, uh, maybe I'll do it next week just to keep us, you know, knowing where we are because we can dive into the Word and be like, so where are we, you know? But we want to... Um, but today, just to let you know, just to remind you, uh, the book of Acts uh, was, was part of another canon, right? The book of Luke, and it was one canon, it was one book, and then they made it two books, right? Um, Luke was writing to a very pro- a prominent uh, individual, Theophilus, uh, helping him understand and trying to convince him that, man, Jesus is awesome, and that he rose from the dead, and he's a king, and that you need to know and love him and serve him. He talks about the resurrection of Christ. He talks about Christ's death. He dies on the cross. We know you. You know it. I know it. Uh, this guy also rose from the dead. Uh, I don't know if you believe that or not, but guess what? They didn't find a body. And guess what also happened? Theophilus. Uh, these guys say that Jesus appeared to them. Some supernatural acts happened uh, in history. These guys begin to uh, speak in tongues. Begin to experience the Spirit's power. So then they, they go, oh my goodness. So Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead. He validates that he rose from the dead by appearing. He validates it even more by empowering these guys with the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. He gives to these guys. And then he says, hey, here I want you to do. I want you to accomplish my mission. And that is to make me known, um, not just here, not just with the Jews, but all over the world. And so they begin on that trek. Filled with the Spirit, uh, this, these, these vagabond of men begin to grow what we call now the local church, Right? Uh, we, begin seeing, we, we begin to see the church grow. We begin to see God's grace uh, in the church. The people of God are encouraged. They're growing. Uh, the, the, the powers that be in that day are getting frustrated because they're seeing this, this place, this, these people called the way, actually having a lot of influence um, in the community. 
the people of God get persecuted because of the success, right? And we see individuals die. We see God begin to clean house within the church while it's growing, right? Where he kills individuals who are sinning, showing us that sin is serious and that God's holiness is serious. So we begin to see God begin to formulate this local church while at the same time giving the church influence in the community because people are coming to Christ while at the same time, we're seeing people from the outside bringing havoc upon a church because they're frustrated because the church is having more influence than they ever thought, right? So the church continually grows. We begin to see this guy, Saul, who is actually killing Christians. He actually becomes a Christian because God reveals himself to him. Uh, he becomes Paul. This guy begins to preach the gospel, uh, not only to uh, the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. We see Gentiles, that's anybody who's not a Jew, begin to walk with Jesus and become Christians. Uh, the Jews are kind of elitist. They're going, hey, we've been a bomb thousands of years. God has been our God. We've been his people. All of a sudden, we're hearing that these Gentiles can also experience the, uh, the doctrines of grace. Wait a minute, what's going on here? So there's a big brouhaha. Uh, then you go into Acts 15. The church leaders come together and say, okay, let's talk through this. Gentiles are coming to faith. Jews, we don't know what to do with this. How do we, how do we, how do, we do life together with all this unity and diversity? Right? They have a discussion, and now uh, we're brought with some conclusions that basically, oh, the reality is this. Although that we're, not, we're not trying to separate ourselves from Judaism, the reality is that people become Christians by grace through faith. Right? And that it's not your lineage that gives you an ushering into the kingdom. It's not your background that allows you to have a relationship with the creator of the universe, but it's by his grace, him taking you who's dead and making you alive because of the blood of Jesus. So people who understand that, believe that, and live in light of that are Christians. So they go, cool, awesome. So now what does it look like for us to live together if that's the reality? So what happens is they say, well, okay, how do we... And I thought Pastor Lee, I did a great job. I want to encourage you to listen to the sermon. How do we live with unity and diversity? Okay, there's some things we need to celebrate uh, from the framework of being a first century Jew. And there's some things we need to celebrate in the sense of freedom as a Gentile. And so they begin to work through all that. Here's some things you can do to make sure that you're showing love. And here's some things that you can do to make sure you're showing love. And then I thought Pastor Lee, I really broke all that down. So check that out in the sermon and go to your scriptures and see uh, what, that, what, what were some of the things that they told them they could and shouldn't do for the sake of the greater good. And now we enter into chapter 16, where these guys begin what you would call Paul's second missionary journey, okay? Um, so that's where we're at now. Let me ask you a question before I jump into this, um, because I want to say the theme of this passage, I was so encouraged, uh, but also challenge. Do you ever feel like, man, Lord, are you directing my steps? Do you ever, do you ever wonder... You know, we talk about the sovereignty of God in our local body, right? We, we believe uh, that God is totally sovereign. He's, oh, he, what that means is that he's powerful over everything and that there's nothing that's outside of his hand. He is controlling every scenario, every circumstance in this created world, right? And I would even say Colossians says created and uncreated things, right? So that's God. That's what we mean when we talk about sovereignty, that God is in control of everything in our world. And we would say we believe that, right? But when we daily move and, and, and make decisions uh, and have situations before us and we think, what should I do here? What should I do there? Do you believe that, man, Jesus is orchestrating my steps? Do you ever find yourself doubting that? Do you ever find yourself going, man, Lord, okay, if I do, are you in this? I made this is God in this? Do you ever find yourself making a decision that you know is evil? 
right? And wondering what's going to happen? What's the consequence? How is God going to deal with this reality? I know it's evil, right? Do you struggle with that? Daily living. Do you struggle with how does God play a part in your life, not just theologically, but daily, right? We come here and we go through the doctrines and we talk through things and we hit the scriptures, but how does it really, you know, you go home and then we watch the lions, right? But does it come and does it hit you in your heart? And how do you live life daily knowing that God is with you? I think this text speaks to that. See, living by faith. I, I, I think living by faith is kind of probably the, the ultimate bragging chip for God. And that's why I believe that Satan wants you and I, and Christians, this is what he does with believers. If I can pause and make a little pastoral word here. He tries to have Christians who love Jesus, who walk with the Lord and want to experience God supernaturally. He tries to figure out ways to allow them to experience a spirituality apart from faith. Do you hear me there? He tries to make your whole focus be experiential. Where if you see this, there it is. If you, if you hear this, there it is. And sometimes those things are clear. But I want to propose what faith does when a, when a Christian lives by faith. It's the ultimate bragging chip of for God. You know why? Because when you live by faith, what you're really saying is, Jesus, I really trust your character. Do you get it? When you live by faith, you're saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know you're good. I know you're just. I know you love me. I know you love your people. So I'm going to do this crazy thing here. I'm going to go to this country and then get murdered for the gospel. I'm going to fill in the blank. When people, when Christians live radically by faith, it just points to Christ because it says, man, I really believe he is who he says he is. Right? So I'm convinced one of the reasons that we as believers have so many different sects of Christianity that tries to slowly see Satan's not stupid, y'all, right? The scriptures say he's the craftiest of the creation. So he's stupid. He's not going to just come up to everybody. Now, some of us, he just says, there's no God. And they go, okay, right? But a lot of us, he's like, I, okay, I can't do that with Jesse because he, he loves Jesus. So, hmm, okay, what, okay maybe I'll just kind of, Jesse, yeah, yeah, there's God. Okay, yeah, yeah. But you know, faith, not, not, don't focus on faith. Hey, man, focus on giftings. Let's focus on giftings. Let's just focus on who you are and what he wants to do for you and through you. And, and let's spend all our time focusing on what I can do for God and my giftings and never really focus on that mundane life of just being faithful. That boring, oh, I didn't cuss nobody out. I paid my bills. I shared my faith. I discipled men and women. I love my wife and kids. That's just too boring. You got to do something a little more than that. Let me get you off. That was, that's not in the text. That's just a pastoral word. All right. Now, I want us to see the trickery of Satan, guys. Faith, living by faith, is huge. Look what happens in the scriptures. It tells us, we believe who you say you are, Jesus. We believe it. So I'm going to do things radically by faith. And it's hard. Look what the scriptures say here. Here's Paul. It says, he came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. 
the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, let me just provide a little, some exhibits of, of Jesus really showing us just his radical sovereignty. I think, I think right here is exhibit A. Now, um, what I want to do is let me just talk a little bit about, about the way to get here, and then I'll talk about Timothy. Now, Timothy, um, actually, can you put, a, uh, put the second missionary journey up? Actually, put the first one up. I'm sorry. Poor J.D. He's going to be working today, y'all. Put the first one up, J.D. Thank you. Okay. This is the first missionary journey. Watch this. Watch this, y'all. Ooh, you see that red dot? Holla at your boy. Okay. So, so the first missionary journey uh, goes, you go, they go south, right? They, this is how it goes. It goes right around here up north. So they go south down to Cyprus and up to Antioch, right? And they're in Antioch. Remember, that's the central time where they preach the gospel. And then they come on down here, and they're in Galatia. Galatia is like this whole area here, though. And so that's where you got Iconium, right? Uh, Lysonia and Derby. Okay, so they're, they're basically, uh, that's kind of the first missionary journey. And they come right back around here on down and end up back here uh, to start their second missionary journey, okay? So that's the first missionary journey. Oh, you can't see my dot? I mean, you can't see that. Oh, I'm so, okay, you see it now? It's, it's right on that red dot to the, you see it up to the right? I, I, okay, I've got to be, yeah, i got to be careful. I can get prideful because I want you to see this dot. So if you, y'all see that dot? All right, I'm going to go slow then. All right, I'm going to go, I'm going to the right. Okay, so y'all still see that dot? All right, so this is the first missionary journey. They came down to the south of Cyprus. I'm going up north now. And to, um, let's see here. <laughs> and to Antioch. And then they, this is where they kind of camped out for a little bit. I'm doing a circle. Okay? All right, now I'm on the blue line. You got me? And they came up around to Iconium, back around to Antioch. Remember, the, remember when we talked about them doing follow-up? So that's what they did here. So they came back around. and came down back, right? And they came back to um, Antioch. Okay? So... Um, Jonathan, man, don't ask me questions I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, you know what? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I really don't. So that's not a typo. You know, because I, I used to always get mad when there would be a lot of uh, Jesuses and Judases in the Bible. And I'm like, what's up with that, Jesus? You know, and I realized those are just common names. So I need to research that. Maybe it's a common name, but I don't know. So good question, though. No. Um, let's go to the second missionary journey. Okay, now, if you guys, it's going to be harder, okay? Because if you can remember, it'll be hard to remember what we saw there, okay? But what was interesting, if you notice, just remember this. They went, um, they went south, okay? They went south first to Cyprus. Remember that? So they went south. Now, remember in our last discussion, uh, or, or a couple of discussions ago, there was a falling out, um, Right there's a falling out actually with Pastor Leon was discussing. Okay, and so Silas uh, went with Paul. Okay, and then then Mark and, and and Barnabas went together. Okay, so when this second missionary journey started here in Antioch, actually what happened was uh, Mark and Silas went down this way again. Okay, to the south. I bring that up because all of a sudden that changes things a little bit. What they were going to do is they were going to come back down south, come back up and try and minister to some more of the unreached here. Okay. And we'll, we'll, fit, we'll see that in a moment. But instead what they ended up doing for some reason is they ended up coming up north and starting their missionary journey up this way. Okay. 
Now, here's what's interesting, because if they, if, if they would have started the missionary journey going down south, the proposal, what theologians believe, is what would have happened is that they would have, I'm in Paphos right here, there's a little light where Cyprus is, they would have kind of made their trek up right to us, northwest, came up north and around, and they would have probably ended in Derby. Now, what would have happened if they would have ended in Derby? They... Timothy would not have been on a trip. And I didn't even stack him there. I didn't tell him to say that. But um, so notice that. I just want to talk about God's sovereignty. Timothy would not have been on a trip. And remember, they just lost someone. And I want to propose to you that God knew that Paul needed another counterpart in addition to Silas. And so that's exhibit A in my mind of this God's sovereignty working things out, even with the fallout of him redeeming things and allowing the first place for them to stop, uh, to come out to Derby and they pick up uh, this guy, Timothy, uh, to bring about God's glory. Um, so the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing, even though, you know, Paul hadn't written that out. They're just kind of trying to preach the gospel. Now, let's talk about Timothy for a moment. Timothy, uh, if you turn it, uh, don't turn to Second Timothy. You can write this down. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 is the address. It gives you a little snapshot of his mother, uh, Eunice, and his grandmother. Uh, now, Timothy, it says in the scriptures right here, uh, in the first verse, um, was the son of a Jewish woman uh, who was a believer, uh, and his father was a Greek, Okay. Now, Timothy, called, Timothy is called Paul's son of the faith in Scripture. And I want to propose to you, I don't know, there's a, there's a debate. I don't, I don't believe that actually Paul led Timothy to Christ. I actually believe that his mom led him to Christ, that his mom and grandmother led him to Christ. And that the reason why Paul calls him his son is because I believe in the first missionary journey, Paul led his mom and grandmother to Christ. Um, not just me. There's a lot of theologians who agree with this. I don't make it sound like I'm smarter than I am. But yet a lot of theologians would say that, that that's basically the training. So I just think, I think it's beautiful uh, to just see uh, discipleship and see multiplication happening. Um, and re- one of the reasons I say that is because um, and when you go to the text and you go to, I believe in, um, in 2 Timothy, uh, it even talks about uh, like, almost like Paul didn't know the whole journey of Timothy's like salvation scenario. Because he says, like, I'm kind of convinced that you're a believer kind of deal. And I, I, I wonder why he said that. I think because he, he didn't lead him to Christ. You know, he got evidence from the parents that this guy uh, loved the Lord and he was very well known in the community. Now, that's just a snapshot of Timothy, so we know who we're talking about a little bit. But here's what's interesting. It says in the scriptures that he was the son of a Jewish woman, uh, and his father was a Greek. He says was a Greek man, which makes me believe, uh, just from simple grammar, that his, his dad was dead. That his dad wasn't no longer with him. They hadn't broken up or anything. I think this was a, a cool dude. But also it lets you know that as they traveled, which is interesting when you think of culture, as they traveled, there wasn't as many rules about Jews and Gentiles connecting and, and, and uh, becoming married and, and just those, those rights, right? Because this is unheard of uh, the closer you got to Jerusalem. You didn't see this much, right? But it was kind of like just a happenstance thing here. Um, so just giving you a little snapshot, I, I don't know if this guy was between 16, I think between 16 and 25. The reality is here's a young dude that Paul sees who's walking with the Lord. 
uh, he's from the Roman Empire. I mean, this just seems kind of wise of, of Jesus to allow this guy to be the guy who's going to travel. So he's down with the Romans, right? He, can, he has an opportunity to be very influential in the Jews, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. The potential he can be with the Jews in a moment. But this is Paul. I mean, this is uh, Timothy, this believer who's come uh, that, G, that Jesus is going to use as they go on his first missionary journey. Now, it says in verse 2 uh, that he was well spoken of by his brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now, individuals don't know exactly if he was born in Derby or Iconium. Uh, what we do know is that he's extremely well thought of, uh, and which is awesome. And then what I, want you, what I want you to hear, though, is imagine this. This guy comes out. This is Paul. He goes on his, he's beginning his journey. He sees a mom. He sees a grandmother. And then he says, hey, I want to take your young son on a journey. Uh, he's going to share the gospel with me, Okay. What, what, this, I, I just want to always, you know, every week we do this, I try to like keep us in history and like just understanding that this really happened and people were doing this. So you're the mom, you're the grandmother. Now you've, you've, you've heard the talks we've given about Paul's journey. What would you think if I came and said, hey, I'm going to take your son with me? Yeah, you'd probably be a little concerned. I heard you got beat down last week, Paul. <laughs> right? So, so. So, so think about it. Think about it. You're a mom. You're, you know, you've, I mean, get, again, this is, this is happening, right? They, 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 they know what's going on. She's a believer. So she's hearing news. Remember, he came back. He came back to that arena and said he wanted to encourage the saints, right? So he came back and was like, I want to love on these guys and let them know, like, I want to kind of disciple them. So I'm sure when he came back, he told them those, uh, what was going on during his journey. We talked about that when I taught a few weeks ago, right? So she knew. Just think about that. He goes in there and he says, hey, I know you've heard about my, my journeys and stuff. I'm going to grab your son, have him come here. I just want us to see that, that this wasn't just a light task, right? That the mom and them had to count the cost of their son going out, proclaiming the gospel, and possibly getting killed. You understand that? So... So that's kind of the picture we're trying to paint here, that, that basically there was a missionary journey here. It was kind of dangerous. He goes, he tries to get the permission of the parents. Obviously, they say yes. Um, and now we enter into verse 3. It says, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. All right, now we're getting to a little drama here. So you guys read that, and I know there's a lot of questions, right? Here's Paul being willing to circumcise him and you're going, what's up with that? Is he adding to the gospel? Right? Is that, is that anyone's thoughts there? Because uh, now circumcision in this day, what this meant basically was that you were saying, hey, I want to be like the Jews. Um, I believe that I need to be circumcised in order to be received by God as one of his covenant people. Uh, because the Jews all did that as a marker of being part of the covenant family. And so proselytes, which were people who were not Jews, but decided that I want, to, I want your God to be my God. I want to be with you. I want to be his people. I'll do whatever I need to do. God circumcised. That was one of the markers of their sincerity and their faith, no matter how old they were. Okay? And so the question here is, why does he get circumcised when the reality was in Galatians chapter 2, he makes it really clear that he did not want to have Titus circumcised, who was a Gentile. Okay? I just want us to be thinking as we're reading the Bible, be asking the Lord, ask the Lord, okay, so Lord, what's going on here? Because the Bible altogether, he's, he's doing something that makes sense. It's never, it's never like, okay, well, why did God do that? I want to propose to you, um, it's all found in this last sentence here. 
It says, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. See, the reality was he was circumcised not because of the gospel. He was circumcised because of just good service. The reality that, that it would have been um, a useless fight for him to go out with Timothy knowing that he was a Greek and Jew who was uncircumcised. Here's what it meant in that day. No matter how much you had in you, if you had some Jewish blood in you, in that day you were considered a Jew. Okay? And when you took, if you did not take on a right of circumcision, what you were saying is you were denying the fact that you were a Jew. And so you were, in essence, saying you were apostate. Okay? You're, you're basically rejecting the faith. Now, you have to remember something here. The way, which were the Christians of that day, these Christians, they never saw themselves saying, we want to reject Judaism. That, 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 that wasn't the case. We as first, you know, we as uh, this century evangelicals, we think, oh, it's just Jesus, nothing else. But that wasn't the case. These, these Jews understood, Paul included, that they loved uh, the goodness of, of the law, right? They, they, they wanted to walk. They wanted to walk with Yahweh. They celebrated. They went, he always went to synagogues first. Although it says Paul, was a, he, was a, he, he ministered to the Gentiles, he always started actually with the Jews, okay? He always started in synagogues. My point is this, is that the first century Christians always received and believed and, and were excited about all the things they knew and they had known in Judaism, but they all saw them fulfilled in Christ. Okay? So it was never an issue of like Judaism was here and Christianity was here. It was like, no, Judaism actually points to Christ. So in their minds, in his mind, he was saying, hey, you right now are seeming like an apostate. Everybody, look at the end of verse 3, everybody knows that your daddy was a Greek. If you're not circumcised, I'm not going to be able to say anything to these people. Because you're a Jew. And we love being Jews, although that doesn't save you. And so in essence, what Paul was doing was actually he was, he was committing an act uh, that was allowing him to actually be able to minister the gospel. But he was not adding to the gospel, saying you're going to be saved. He was saying, this is going to be, this is going to be very, this is going to make the service of us proclaiming the gospel more simple. The question, um, you know what? Well, some theologians, oh, the question was, Justin is asking, why wasn't he circumcised already? It could be possible that he was an apostate. Could very well be, but was, in, yeah, because of the fact that the Jewish, even the Jewish mom was connecting with a Greek dad. We don't know a lot about the dad, uh, but the historians don't tell us, like, was he an apostate or was he just like, you know, hanging out and he became a Christian or was he a good Jew and he became a Christian? I think from the evidence, I don't think he was like flowing in Judaism. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't write a book on that. <laughs> but I don't think he was like this, you know, just staunch Jew. Mm-hmm. And so now he's trying to minister to everybody and Paul is saying, you're a Jew, man. You, got, you already got this nice showing with the Gentiles. We've got to make sure you have some sense of a showing uh, with the Jews. So, so that's what's going on there. Let me continue on with God, where I see the evidence of God's grace. So he gets him circumcised. We, we go on. Well, I want us to make sure we understand that. So he's not adding to the gospel. He's saying this allows us to actually preach the gospel without a lot of drama. And so if it's going to take a, uh, I wouldn't say minor surgery, but if it's going to take a surgery uh, for us to preach the gospel, then cool. Right. Verse 4 says, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observances, the decisions, uh, to them the four observance, the decisions that have been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Right. So the churches, 
So now what happens is Silas and Paul says, okay, we got the information. We know that we're talking about uh, individuals are saved uh, by grace through faith. Let's go ahead and encourage all the saints that we've ministered to that that's the reality. That's what we're saying. That's what the leaders are saying. They go do that. And verse 5 says, the churches are strengthened in their faith and they increase in number daily, which I love, which I'm praying for us. I'm praying that the Lord would just allow us to bust us. It seems that we wouldn't, be, we wouldn't be scared of success by God's grace, but we would really proclaim the gospel. And then it says, so, so they begin to go around reaffirming the doctrine of grace that reveals itself through love, right? And saying, you guys need to love each other. Here's what it looks like. And then, uh, this one gets kind of crazy, and I love uh, these scenarios here. As they're moving forward, uh, the scripture says, and they went through the region, right, of, of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, pe- to speak the word in Asia. All right, so... Can you go to the second missionary journey real quick? All right. Okay, so the second missionary journey, remember they started north, right? Um, They're going up, they're hanging out here, and they're going to, he wants to preach. At this point, he's like, hey, okay, it makes sense. Now we got, you know, my man man Timothy. Hey, let's go ahead and go right here, because they were right in here, right? See how close that is? And so he's like, hey, let's lead these people to Christ, Right? (laughs) And the spirit, the spirit says no. You see that? I just want you to see the proximity. Okay, this is where they are. <laughs> and they want to go right here. And the spirit says no. Um, it says in the scriptures, um, they're going through the region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So, so the question on the table is, first, first of all, what's happening here? And I thought this would be a good time to kind of open up a little doctrine of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Can we talk about that for a moment? Um, can you put that? How does the Holy Spirit speak to his people? There's a... And, and now we're going to see a couple of these here. And I, I, we don't know what's going on here. We don't know how the Holy Spirit for, uh, forbid these guys. It doesn't tell us what happened, Right? Uh, which, is, which is hard. I wish you had just told us and we would have a lot of uh, deduction here. But what we do know is there seems to be three ways that we see a lot in scriptures where the Holy Spirit guides people, okay? Um, one is a prophetic utterance, right? Basically, uh, this, is, this is God speaking through people, right? Speaking God's truth. And this could be something where God is just allowing us to uh, open up the scriptures and care for someone. Or every once in a while, the Lord has given someone the spirit of prophecy to be able to just uh, proclaim like with authority, even like uh, not just like 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 an issue of foretelling. Like, hey, here's what the Lord has said. Okay, so obviously um, we we as a local body we do not believe that the gifts have ceased. Um, so we actually believe that the gifts point uh, to Christ and invalidates his 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 beauty. And so that's one way: proclamation of God's truth, either through the revealing of Scripture specifically or the revealing of Scripture through a supernatural foretelling of what God is doing in his world to his people, okay? Now, I must say, the, the one where we're talking about foretelling is, is not super normal. It's a supernatural experience. And I get very nervous when people want to make that normal just like apple pie, okay? Because it doesn't happen normal in Scripture, so I don't think it's just a normal deal just all the time. And if you just want it, if you believe it, he'll do it all the time. It seems that God does that to really wake us up. Um, then you have the inward prompting. Uh, the inward prompting happens to us a lot. 
Um, and I, I'm going to say, I wonder, but I wonder a lot of times, do we obey or not? That's another question. Where you're, you're going, you're doing something, and God just, for some reason, just, you just feel like, man, I shouldn't do this. Right? And it's not even bad. Have you ever had that? You're just like, I, man, I just feel I shouldn't do this. Or, man, I should, man, I'm, I'm driving down the street, man, I should just, man, I wonder what Demetrius is up to. You know, or, man, I looked at somebody, I feel like I need to call that person. Right? And so then, so every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will just graciously allow your conscience to be just kind of stirred. You're kind of like, what? Okay. Now, I propose to you, this is awesome, but the thing is, I, we, my prayer is that, because Satan is also a liar, and he can appear as like an angel, right? And so we have to be careful to allow this to be as if it's God's word. So when God does that, first you're going to ask yourself, am I walking with Jesus? Right? So if I'm, if I'm, am I walking with the Lord? Am I seeking Christ? Or do I know that there's sin I'm harboring and there's things in my life and I'm practicing evil and all of a sudden I feel like God is speaking to me? He could be. But I would pause and I would allow that to be, I would, I would actually get counsel and, and get other individuals and see what God's prophecies say through the people of God who you know are seeking Jesus if you're in a rut at that point. Does that make sense? And then finally, you have the changing or the overruling of circumstances. And this, this has happened where you're wanting to do something, and then all of a sudden, the door just closes. You're thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, this is cool. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're moving in faith, you're moving hard, and man, God just stops it. You're like, what? Lord, everything was showing this is what you wanted, right? Or you're sitting around thinking, I know this is not what the Lord wants, and then these doors open up. You know, you're like, well, is this from the Lord? So, so the question is, well, how do you determine when all, if all that's happening in our life daily? How do you determine what's from the Lord and what's not? And that's why I, it's paramount, the scriptures teach, the importance of his word and covenant community. I think it's absolutely important that you're surrounding yourself with individuals, men and women who walk with the Lord. You're, you're in the word. You're seeking God in prayer. And you're allowing God, seeking God in prayer, uh, looking at his word, seeing what God says in his word, seeing if it agrees with what you're desiring to do or not do. And then you're talking with the people of God who love Jesus. And you're, you're asking and you're putting your, your stuff out there. And the reason why we don't like to do that, because then the people of God will tell you, oh, no, that's jacked up. And we don't want to have, we don't, especially when you want something, right? We just say, no, God told me. I ain't asking you, right? And I want to propose to you, no, if God's in it, then the, the people of God will affirm it, right? The people of God will go, yeah, God's in that. Cool. So we have to build a trust with each other and let each other in so that we can actually see what the Lord is doing in our lives. Does that make sense? So for whatever reason, God allows, uh, say, hey, we're going to forbid God, uh, forbid you guys to speak the word in Asia, that's bizarre. I thought we want the gospel to go forth, right? You, you continue, it goes on. Verse 7, look what it says here. And when they had come up to Mysia, so uh, second, second missionary journey again, it says, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Beth, uh, 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 Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, so, check, so check this out. I just think, talk about living a life of faith. Uh, my my diet's on Iconium. They're, so they're like, man, okay, we're here. Hey, God, we're going to go here and proclaim you, Jesus, because we're going to make you known. Nope, don't do it. Okay. Uh, so we're going to go. Okay, well, hey, what's, up? what's going on up here? Nope, do not go up there. 
okay, well, we came from here, so we can't go east. We can't go south. He doesn't want us to go north. Okay, so he, they end up in Troas. You see that? You see that dot right there, guys? They, they go to the end in Troas, right there. So notice that. Notice what God was doing. You talk about putting someone in a box. It couldn't go anywhere else. But I love this. I love that although all the doors was closing, they didn't stop wanting to preach the gospel. Do you notice that it said, well, if I can't go there, I'm going to go somewhere else. And, well, you can't, I can't go there. I'm going to go somewhere else. They didn't say, well, I guess God didn't want us to teach it here. We're going we're gonna to go back. They kept moving. They kept moving. Where's where more people? Isn't it, isn't it interesting? See, Christianity, see, one of the things is that our flesh and the evil one wants us to be able to say, wants us to say, hey, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait until I hear from you and then I'm going to do something. Right? But I want to propose that the picture of Christianity is, I always say, it's a go-tail movement, right? It's that we, we, God gives us a few things that he's clear on. He's clear about proclaiming the gospel. He's clear about making disciples, right? He's clear about covenant community. Is, is that fair? So I'm proposing when people say, well, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to wait on God. Well, okay, wait on God and share your faith. Wait on God and get in discipleship. Be disciple and make disciples, right? Wait on God and plug into a community of people. This whole wait on God, just me and Jesus, and I'm not going to do church. Guys, that's from Satan. That's weird. The first century Jew would think you are weird to say you're going to walk with Jesus without people. That's bizarre because God created us with community in mind. And so I want to propose, even in our local church, what we're saying is that, man, we don't know how God has gifted us in awesome ways. We don't know how God wants to use you. What we do know is you need to be sharing your faith. You need to be being poured into and poured into other people. And you need to be in community. So while you figuring it out, we'll give you that space. Do those things. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's the structure of our local body. We're saying figure it out. Why are you figuring it out? Hey, call this person and invite them to dinner. Right? You can do that because God already told us to do that. You know, we can, we can debate on if you're going to play the guitar or the flute. You know what I'm saying? But, but these things are clear. Right? These things are clear. I love that they kept moving, guys. They, they, he, they, had, they had conviction that this is clear. So I'm going to be sharing my faith. Well, no, okay. Well, you want to hear about Jesus? I love that framework. So... They get, they get all the way up to Troas, the scriptures say, right? Uh, verse 8, can't go, can't go north, south, they go west. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, right? And then I love this. Look what the scriptures say. Verse, um, in verse, verse 9, I'm going to head home. It says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Man, look at God's goodness. Look at God's goodness. Mm-mm-mm, look at this. Check this out. Okay, can you put it back up there real quick? So, now think about this. Remember where we said they were? Remember all the people they could have led to Christ? Hey, guess what? Did they ever meet? Did they ever um, minister to these people? Yeah, Ephesus. Colossae, yeah, they ministered to them, just not now. God said, God told, God told him not to minister to the people in Ephesus. 
the, the book of Ephesians, he told him to not minister to the people that he ministered to to write the book of Colossians. He said, not right now. No, keep going. Isn't that weird? The sovereignty of God? Is it weird or is that God's plan? What is God trying to do here? Why did God do that? Look where they're at. Okay, I got my dots on Troas. Look what they do. It says, the dude comes and says, hey, man, I love this so you don't get it mixed up. Come to Macedonia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he says, come to where? Macedonia. So, so they get together. I don't, I don't think Paul just strong on him. We're going to Macedonia. I think he said, hey, guys, I had this vision. What y'all think? The people of God prayed about it, talked about it. Because, you know, you had another prophet. Silas was a prophet. So he's like, hey, man, what you think? You just from the Lord? Yeah, man, we need to go. So they're sitting there. They're on the edge. They're on the coast with nobody to talk to. I, I mean, and they're just like, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do now? And the scriptures say they went over and got in a boat and went over to Philippi, went over to this area. Isn't that amazing? Now, do you think it was easier to minister here or here? Isn't that interesting? So why is that happening, guys? Why do you think that happened? Look at this. The vision comes. They finally get the green light. Look what they're doing. All of a sudden, they're going to minister and stay in Asia and minister to those in Asia, right? And all of a sudden, God says, no, what I want to do is I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to open up the ministry even more. I'm going to have you minister to pure Europe, right? This is, I mean, they go over to Europe. You notice that? I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the green light. You're no longer going to be in Asia. You're going to cross the agency. Now, here's this. Check this out. Don't miss this. God wanted them in Macedonia the whole time. Right? But notice this. He didn't tell them until they couldn't take another step. He could have said way back when they were back in Iconium, I want you to go over to Macedonia. He didn't do it like that. God said, they walk, don't go there. I mean, you talk about negative? Man, Lord, when you're going to look at the cup half full, Jesus? You know what I'm saying? I'm preaching the gospel, don't go there. When go there, don't go there. Where do you want me to go? <laughs> then they walk to the coast, and then they have a dream, and a guy said, come to Macedonia. You don't think God could have gave him that dream in Iconia? Do you notice that he didn't reveal it to them until they had no other step? They're stepping out in faith, stepping out in faith. And now they're like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can't do anything. I've been faithful. It's your your move now. He says, oh, you get it. Okay. You've been living a life by faith. Go to Macedonia. You see that? Is God directing your steps? Is God directing your steps? You think, oh, I'm at this dead end. You think, what does God want me to do here? God is not, he's just so silent. God's directing your steps. God has us. Look what the scriptures say. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, so what was going on? Can you take us to the map one last time? People of God, my friends, Love y'all. Be encouraged here. Look at this. What would have happened, let me ask you, if they would have been able to preach the gospel here, what do you think would have happened? I know we're dreaming, but I'm, I'm convinced this is, what, this is what God was doing because he's bigger than us. So they preached the gospel there. 
after they get done, what do you think would have happened? I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced. My sister said that they probably would not, Colette said they probably would not have gone to Macedonia. So Colette's saying, hey, they would have gotten here, preach, 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 and thought, okay, well, we'll just go back this way. I wonder if it wasn't even on their radar to go and cross the sea over there and to go all up in Europe and at that point. I wonder if God was like, you know what? Let's, why don't you know, we're going to go way over here. We're going to blow up the world, have you minister all over here, and then you're going to come back to Ephesus and those places that are right close by just to help you realize that truly I'm a God of the world, that I'm, I'm trying to do something way bigger than what you're thinking. And so it seemed like, and don't miss this, it seemed like a hindrance to Paul and them, but really it was God maximizing Paul's potential. And I wonder if that's happening in our lives all the time. When we get mad at God, why are you holding me back? I'm trying to do this for you. I'm trying to do that. I'm moving, and I feel like things are just, just stopping. And God is like, the measure of faith you're realizing, I'm trying to bring glory to my name. I'm trying to do something bigger than what you're thinking. Friends, at the end of the day, in this room, we got a lot of different stories. I hope this passage encourages you that God is in, he's in your journey. Now, there's some of us in here who are kind of desensitized right now. If we're honest, you're in the flesh, right? You're desensitized, and so you can't even sense how God is moving in your life, right? right? My heart breaks because I don't want you to be desensitized. I don't want you to be jaded and kind of going through life and thinking, well, I, I tried to figure out how to be led by the Spirit, and it's hard, so I'm just kind of just doing my own thing. Now I'm my own, my own, my own strength. And my prayer is that God would awaken you to repent, to confess that God wants you to connect with his Holy Spirit. He wants to show you his wonders. He wants to use us for his glory. And so I'm praying that you would confess and say, Lord, I just want to confess right now that I haven't been walking in the spirit. I find myself on one day doing okay. The next day I'm, I've, been, I've been thinking about lust and now I'm, I'm, I'm partaking participating in it now and in the next day. I want to pray that God will give you the spirit to say, I want to repent. I want to confess, Lord, that I've been selling for fake things and I want to know you, Jesus. That's my prayer, that we would just, we would just lay ourselves bare before Jesus, confessing and repentance. Some of us have markers like this or we see them and uh, we won't step out in faith. And here's why, because we really aren't convinced that he has our good in mind. And I pray that you and I would just go, Lord, not only do I see the markers, do I understand they're there, but I believe you're good. And so I'm actually going to move in light of them. I'm actually going to take that step of faith and I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going to, I'm going to model that integrity because I believe you're good. I don't need to cheat on this. I don't need to backbite, right? I don't need to gossip. I don't need to I don't need to try to figure out and work my plan. I believe God is good. And that if I'm focused on kingdom and in exalting him and loving him and making him known, he'll work out the rest. Do you really believe that? I think living by faith is the ultimate bragging chip for Jesus because it shows his people and those all around 
You believe he's good. You believe he's just. You believe his attributes. So that's an encouragement to us. If anybody in this room right now is thinking like, I just don't, I don't sense God's presence. I just don't know what he's doing in my life. I just want to encourage you. He's here. And he's working right now. And he wants all of you so he can reveal those wonders. So you can brag about the evidence of God's grace in your own lives. And we can brag about it together as a community, okay? So let's do that as a local community. Here's what I want to do. I don't want you to respond to God's truth as we take communion, as we tithe, all right, and have our offering.